Can hear you, man. And we're live. Welcome to One Mic Road Talk. Myself, DJ Fred, and my co host, Sora First. And today we have C- CJ or Callum. What do you want me to call you? You can call me CJ Callum. CJ, yeah, I'm going to call you CJ. So today we have CJ from the Indian Independent Musician. Cool. Associate, is it association, yeah? Yeah, so Association of Independent Music. Um, it's a not organization that represents independent rights holders in the UK. So an independent rights holder is effectively anyone from self-leasing artists doing it their own way, all the way through to the labels that represent anyone from uh, Adele, the XX, Nines, Sampha, uh, AJ Tracy, um, and so forth. And also all the sort of bubbling scenes that we're seeing, like UK jazz at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's a super broad spectrum of, of artists and, and labels that we work with. I've got a question for you, see what classifies as an independent artist? Like, do yeah. they pay for all their own stuff or like what? I've heard a lot of people, I've heard a lot of rappers say it, but I wasn't fully sure what's the definition. Yeah, because some rappers have managers and stuff that like pay for their music videos, and then they still say they're independent. Like, so has, what's an in, what's an independent? I artist? heard Central C say I'm independent so many times. But he's got a whole team behind. So him. I thought it was literally when you got just a rapper. So can you help clarify? <laughs> Um, from AIM's perspective, an independent artist would be anyone that owns more than 50% of the rights to their recorded music. So if you're looking at someone like AJ Tracy, say, uh, he works in a collaborative environment with him and his manager, Andy Musgrave, who runs a, a company called Supernature. Um, and he will go through a distributor, but AJ will still have the uh the vision, the ideas and everything and will own the majority of his rights to his music, um, which then means that he can, you know, release when he wants, have his own creative direction, release the music he wants to release, collaborate with who he wants to collaborate. Um, and so, yeah, I would say in, it, independent is a is a buzzy word at the moment. I think we saw a lot with Central C as well. Um, who, who I think was on the cards for a major label deal, but decided to, to stay independent. Um, and the same goes, I think it's anyone that wants to control their vision, control what music they're putting out without any sort of big association or big, you know, recording company saying yes or no. So when, so when you're not does, independent... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're not independent, you don't, you don't own your rights to the own music that you make. So someone else could control like your art. Is that is that is that how it is basically? What do, what do they lacks when you're not independent? So um, when we're talking about literally, can literally yeah. control like the work that you do in the studio. So when you're not independent, a lot of the time the deals will look a, a different way to they would if you're an independent label or an independent artist. Um, so the deals will look more in favour of the record label, but the record label will have someone like Sony, Warner or Universal. Um, they'll retain, they'll own more of the album or the, or the song um, than the artist would, but they would pay the artist a, a big advance fee, which is why it's so appealing to a lot of artists who want to, uh, make their ways um, to sign to a major label because they're able to offer them, uh, you know, a big lump of cash up front in return for um, their music. And then they'll own the music and the copyright of that for a, for a long period of time. Right. So what would you advise someone to be independent or not independent? I would always say independent. 
what's the pros and cons of being independent? Because I heard with labels, they like buy you a house as well. I would say like um, the main the main pros is doing everything in your own lane. Like you're not being told by anyone else what's right and what's wrong. Like with my management hat on, I work with a, a rapper called Looms. And if he asked me for my advice on any of his music, I always say, well, I like this track more than this one. But at the end of the day, it's your art that you're putting out and you can do whatever you want with it. We, You can put it out whatever you want. You can choose your artwork. You can choose who goes on the album. You can choose who produces the tracks. Um, the, the cons, obviously, are the biggest sort of uh, hindrance and the biggest uh, difficulty for an independent artist starting out of themselves is lack of access to money. Yeah, um, gonna, so if you're starting that. out, you might have mad talent, but it's hard to know how to release it. You know, if you're strapped for cash, then it's going to be a difficult thing to put money behind the marketing um, and even the recording costs. So obviously then on the flip side of that, if you're looking at a major label, they'll pay for the recording costs. They'll cover a lot of those costs. Although saying that actually signing to an independent label, again, there's different deal structures where they will also then pay for, for certain recordings and stuff. So um, I would always say there's more pron- pros of being independent than there are cons. All right, cool. So here, here's a question for you, yeah? So because you're riding the, the independent the independent flag, yeah? Say there's say there's a scenario, there's, there's, a, there's a 17-year-old boy, yeah? He... He thinks he's he thinks he's got he thinks he's the best rapper like he thinks he's the next Jay Z yeah I am the best but so he thinks so he thinks so he thinks he's the next Jay Z right he goes to college from Monday to Wednesday and gets fifty pound a week pocket money that's not enough to afford studio time plus paying for the beat plus the artwork plus the music video all these things so how what advice would you give him? How is he gonna? How is he gonna show the world his talent if what? these are the circumstances? This is how expensive it is to be an independent artist. Yeah, what I would say, but he's so talented at the same time. What I would say is like, um, you know, if, if they're your friend or they're whoever they are, like they're gonna have friends around them. And what I always say is like, when you're rising to the top, if you imagine like a triangle, then you're gonna be at the bottom and you're gonna work your way up to the top. And the best way to work your way up to the top is by having a support system around you, um, by like-minded people, other people that have talent. So if some one of your friends is, you know, mad followers on Instagram and, you know, knows exactly the ins and outs of all these different social medias and, and how to reach the most people and get the most likes and the most engagements, then ask your friends for advice on how to do that. Um, if, when you're looking at recording costs, like you can do it on a, on a budget, you know, for example, some demos that I put out with looms, uh, back in the day when he first started out, he recorded straight into an iPhone, uh, the headphones into the iPhone headphone. And it's a different kind of sound, you know, it's like, it's raw, it's gritty, it's unproduced, but you still get the same effect. You get the rawness of what you're trying to say. Um, so there are ways and means of doing it. And the same goes for like working with producers and finding artwork you know, you're going to have someone, one of your friends that might be good at drawing or might be good at graphic design. And you just ask them for help. You know, it's like you go around to your to your networks and you ask them for advice. Um, never be afraid to, to ask for help and, and to ask questions. Um, so, again, you know, putting out the releases, you can do it really cheap. You can actually release music out for free. Um, so there's ways of doing it on a tight budget. Um, it's just taking it to the next level, which I think comes from education you know, and understanding how to do that, um, which, again, is a, is another barrier to a lot of people. And that's why AIM is introducing a brand new tier of membership, which is free for anyone who's released via an independent distributor. So you're looking at someone like TuneCore or CD Baby um, who offer services for like a free release or a £10 album release. Um, and anyone that goes through them can then access this fountain of information and knowledge and resources around releasing your music, how to create a budget music video, um, and all of these things. So there's a lot of tools out there that, that can help along the way. So, so, um, so, 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 so to just, 
clarify what you just said. So aim, aim is starting something up to actually give people that education that they might need to help them take their music career one step further. And when, when, when is that going to start? How do people, how do people find you? How, how do they access that education? So um, how they, how they, how they would access that is by already releasing music. So as I said, like there are certain distribution companies. So these are the companies that take your music from your bedroom onto Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Um, and as I said, there's a couple of examples like TuneCore or CD Baby. So any any artist that uses one of those platforms will be able to access a free tier of AIM membership. Um, so there's no fees, there's no costs. Um, and it's there to exactly do that is to democratize the access to free education. Uh, CJ, I've got a question for you. So see, I see a lot of rappers say they're not trying to go into a label because labels are controlling. They're like, say, we can't collab with certain people. They um, they tie our houses, our properties all into the label. So I think a lot of people in the music industry have a, a bad negative or like a stereotype towards labels. Can you confirm if the stereotypes true? Like, can labels really boost the rapper's career or is it just, does it hold them back? Because I've heard a lot of funny yeah. stories about labels. Like a lot, yeah, a lot I of mean, fall out with their labels. I was just going to say, like, when you look at early uh, Dizzy Rascal releases or early gigs releases, you know, Giggs initially releases music with SM1, but then signed to XL Recordings. And XL Recordings is the label that also signed Adele. They also signed Sampha. They've also signed Nines. So, you know, these rappers have, like, created a buzz around themselves and then used the label to enhance their careers. And I think when you're operating in a space with a label that is independent, and that means that they have, again, they've done it all themselves. They've set up their own label. They have innovated. They've had a great ear for good music. And as I said, you know, someone like XL, they've signed gigs to Adele. So it's so broad. So, you know, I think labels, a lot of the time when you're looking at the deals and the artists that are saying labels are bad, they're probably more likely to be signed to a major label than they are an independent one. Um, and I think that's the real sort of disparity there between, you know, is, is a label a good thing or a bad thing? But I do think that for, for any artist starting out, whether a rapper or, or a young band, um, to try and do things on their own to a certain point, to reach a certain level, shows a label that level of like commitment to their, to their own vision. And an independent label shouldn't ever say this is right and this is wrong. They should sign the artist on merit of their talent and, and their vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then can I I wanna add to my to my earlier question, yeah. So so there's there's a seventeen year old boy. let's say let's say he has the funds to afford all the studio time, everything like that, and he's got he's got a banger, he's got a song that he really believes in and he thinks it's amazing, yeah? He puts it out and only gets he gets less than a thousand views, yeah. How, what kind of how 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 do you go about promoting music these days? In a, in a, in a in a good way, because yeah, to help to help push it as as far as it can go, and you're just independent, just on the back of your own own back, really, yeah. Do you know what I think? Um, when you're trying to hit certain blogs or when you're trying to hit certain Instagram pages or you're trying to hit certain YouTube channels, the best tool that you have in your armory is the DM function. So, the, you know, you've, you've got the release, you might have released it or you're planning a release, but your previous releases have only got like a thousand streams or whatever. Um, again, with all of these tastemakers, it's all the merit of the music, you'd hope at least. Um, and I think there's definitely a sort of a certain level of intuition that you should have to say, all right, well, if my music's designed for someone like uh, DJ Target or Tiffany Calver or whoever it is, um, or is it better on Mixtape Madness or SBTV or Link Up? You know, you're going to know the sorts of people that are working there that are behind the scenes by just doing some Instagram stalking and you just jump in the DMs you know, and say, I've got this new track. And I think if you are persistent with it as well, you know, you can go on the internet and find email addresses. And I, I remember the first time I was sending emails out to people trying to get on their radar with Looms. 
and you'd get ignored, you know, but if you're persistent and you keep going, it's likely you'll get a reply. Um, the other thing you should definitely be doing is going on to BBC introducing and uploading your tracks, which is totally free to do. Um, you know, a lot of the time your music will get picked up and it will get played on your local, on your local station. Um, and again, it's like you're if you do some research and you look into it, who on introducing is playing the next wave of, of rap or the next wave of rock or the next wave of pop music? You know, who's the tastemakers of the early stages? And then I think you take it one step further and think, OK, who are the lo local radio stations? Is it someone like Nettle Radio or NTS? Um, and there's all these different sort of low level stations that aren't the BBC um, that actually have huge power in creating a local audience. So there's a few things I mentioned earlier as well, like, you know, reaching out to your friends, you know, saying share my music in your story or share a post or, you know, just asking your friends for help. I think that's the best way. Like when I was putting on gigs, the first gig I put on, my mum came, do you know what I mean? Like she showed support, she showed love. And I think as well, like if you ask your friends, hey, pay five pounds for a ticket or, you know, stream my music, share my music, send it to your friends, send it on WhatsApp to all your pals. All of a sudden you'll start, it will start racking up. Um, yeah, but it's not an easy thing to do and it can be really disheartening. Yeah, because I, cause I feel You like know, if you believe in yourself and you believe in your art, then you can make it happen. Because I don't know, I think, I don't think people get like a nice feeling when they ask people to show, I don't think, I don't think it's a nice feeling for people when they have to ask their friends or people to show interest in their talent. They just want it to be natural, innit? They just want people to just see ah oh, what i'm doing is good and them them to just like it they don't want to say ah oh, could you please buy this could you please like this i feel like that's something that not even just musicians but like any creative people that start up their own business they just struggle with that promotion side of things and getting like getting their their, their little engagement going on because like pride is on the line so do it might is. not even be that popular all these kind of things so yeah that's what i think I people struggle with it as well I think I get that, but I think as well it comes with like I think for me it comes with like a level of hustle. You know, like if you wanna if you wanna make it, you're gonna you're gonna do everything in your power to make it happen. Even if that means, you know, taking one on the chin and saying, share it for me. Do you know what I mean? You might have a few powers who have like thousands of followers and you just say, Wait, share this, it's sick, you're gonna love it. And you just ask, man. I think I think there's a big stigma around just asking. If you don't ask, you don't get you know, swallow, I mean, what's pride, the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no. But I feel like rappers go the wrong, like, a rapper can rap, cool, but I feel like they go the wrong way about promoting their music. Like, I don't think they understand the importance of promotion. Like, my friends will put out some serious music, but they won't tell anyone until they release it. So how would you, like, how would you get a rapper who, like, doesn't know, like, about the management side of things, a manager, if that makes yeah. sense. Because he, he just, he's just a talented rapper. That's, that's what we know. He doesn't know about the business side of things or the, the more technical side. Is that what you mean? He just, he just got the, the fire. I do it is like, he'll put out a track and you won't tell anyone, he'll be like, oh, you don't listen to my song. Or like promotion and managers are really undervalued a part of a rapper's success, innit? Like you could have all the bars in the world, but if no one knows you, no one knows you, like your bars aren't going anywhere. So how would you like convince a rapper to... Um, I think I think that's it. I think that's where you're saying, you know, education, education is king, and also like having unique and original content. You know, like thinking about what you're putting on your social media and building a story. You know, like what's what's the story of this artist? What are they trying to tell? What's their what's the what what's their key story here? You know, what are they saying in the bars that are so special? You know, what creative ideas can you come up with around some of those? those bars you know is there something you can do is there a certain piece of artwork you can make or draw yourself um, or even go out and film something yourself you know it's keeping that constant flood of of uh, of content going and just and just keeping up the hustle i hear you though it is a difficult thing yeah 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 so um so how how does aim actually like what do they offer in the independent musicians then if 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 I was just to come to you as an independent musician, like how does it work? Yeah. What 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 do I bring to you, and then what do you give to me? Like how how does the system works? So I would say that aim aim has been going for uh, about twenty one years. 
um, and it's the UK's trade body for artists and record labels. So what that means is that we are there to serve the needs and the business necessities of uh, independent music business. So whether that's an independent management company that releases music, whether that's a self-releasing artist that's doing it all themselves, or whether that's one of the biggest labels in the world, um, AIM is there to serve the purpose to help them grow their business, uh, become more time efficient, be more cost effective in the ways that they operate. Um, and we do that by growing a network of experts. So my role at AIM is I work on the partnerships. So I work with companies that provide all the sort of business needs of a record label or an artist. So it could be a law firm, could be an accountancy firm, could be a tech company, um, all the way through to Spotify, Facebook, Amazon, TikTok, O2, Jägermeister. Um, so I work with all of those companies to help them engage with the labels and the artists to help them grow their business. Um, the other key thing that AIM does is working closely with government. So we work with government and lobby uh, to make independent music businesses a high priority for government when they're making decisions on things. Who's, who's the biggest artist that you worked with? Who's the biggest artist that's in the membership? Um, yeah, right now. I would say that it's more of it's more the labels that look after the artists that are in the okay. membership. So, for example, uh, at the moment, someone who's absolutely killing it is AJ Tracy. His manager is part of AIM with his company Supernature. Um, and again, you know, we've AJ's come in and done a few talks with us. He's performed at our awards last year um, and the year before that as well, actually. Um, you know, the other thing that we do is a big awards ceremony every year um, to celebrate independent music. Uh, Digger D won an award last year. Um, AJ picked up an award. Dave's won in the past. Storms has won an award in the past. Um, you know, and as I said, some of the other artists include artists like Adele, you know, a household name, absolutely one of the globally, uh, you know, most successful artists of all time. So it really ranges from genres, from size of artists. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a there's a few major artists there for sure. So what's so you push for independent music like musicians to not go into like the label side and that? Like, do you agree with labels? Like you see you see a label company, yeah. I like the scam. Please agree with me. The labels the labels scam you, no. Yes, they do. <laughs> not in the independent space anyway. Oh. I, I would never say uh, that major labels would scare me, but I think it, I would just say that independent labels uh, favour artists and their visions more so and nurture their careers and help them build a sustainable career for them. Oh, question, sorry. If labels don't scam you, how come they sign your properties, your vehicles? Like, if you leave the label virtually, you're leaving with no house, no cars, no anything. Because I've heard of stories where rappers can't leave their label because all the assets are signed into the label. So I feel like I've heard stories of how um, no rap Russ recently said twenty four for twenty four albums you'll get twenty four thousand pounds. That's like nothing. Like I, in my opinion, my personal opinion, that's a scam. Like, can you like, help me clarify that? Yeah, and I think to be honest with you, I think there is a there's definitely a history of uh, certain labels taking advantage of young, talented artists who don't understand the business, you know? So I think what would have happened is there, there would have been a contract in place and they would have signed that contract not really knowing what it all means. And that's exactly why AIM exists. And that's why we've got this free tier of membership to educate young artists to say, here's are the things that you should look out for. Now, I think as well, when when you're looking at the types of labels that are engaging with, with artists, um, as I said, in the independent space, I doubt, I doubt that you'd find any label that would sign a 24-album deal for, for £24,000, you know? Um, but it, it's, a really, it's a really difficult one, man, because, you know, I don't know which, what label it is. It's a, it's a difficult thing. Don't know how old they were when they signed it, who consented to these things. Um, but obviously, you know, that's an unfair deal on all levels. So that's why I'm saying in the independent space, those deals look more favourable. They allow the artist to control more of their rights. Um, 
the deal terms change as well. So the length of how long you're tied into a contract for, um, how long you uh, the label would own that copyright for is a, is a key thing. And also something called a sunset clause, which is how much money that you'll be able to make after you're out of the contract. So there's a, there's a few things that, are, again, it goes back to education every time, man. Like, I think a, a lot of the time you're finding, like, young artists entering these deals without knowing what they're entering, but they sign it anyway because they're seeing £24,000 up front ready right there and then. But that's not sustainable for 24 albums. That's, that's mad. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm under the impression that a master's, like, you buy your master's back from the label, am I right? You are, yeah, you can often buy your masters back from a label. Then, how come labels if you, can be if charging? You are able to afford that, yeah. So, why, why is my own music like we came, we you signed me, you believed in my vision. Why do labels often overcharge the masters back? I don't understand that like, because that's why I think labels just like, are just shaky. Most of them, because I've heard some funny stories that like, I would rappers would be trying to buy back their masters, and the labels are telling them crazy overpriced that. Like, What's your opinion on that? So you, that's what makes me, I'm not even a rapper, but I'm aware of what labels do, or majority of labels do. Yeah. I think the probably, you know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying what I think you're probably finding there is, again, maybe some of those people that are in the labels also set it up by chance, and they might not even know what they're, what they're doing. Like, I can think of a few labels operating in UK hip-hop that I've worked with, and it's been a painful process. And actually, we've brought back our masters. You know, like, I, I hear you loud and clear. Like, you're, I'm looking at how these labels operate, thinking that's not how a business operates. You know, so I think there are some, to be honest, some interesting characters out there that are behind some of these labels. But, you know, if you're looking at the major label system, you would hope that they would be experts in there. I think their counter would probably be that depending on when they signed the artist, that artist might have had 1,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. By the time that they want to buy back their masters, they've put money into a campaign, they've spent X amount on uh, recording, marketing, and so forth, and that's how the artist has been able to grow to a certain level. So that's why, again, you you might want to sign to a, a, a label, definitely an independent label, because they have the knowledge and the expertise to be able to take your music from A and take it to the top. Um, or at least, you know, that's that's why you surround yourself by, by experts all the time. You know, that's why you ask questions, because you want to learn, you want to know. And yeah. by signing to a label, they have that infrastructure to do so. Now, when do you think it's the best time for a rapper to sign? When he's up and coming? So that, or when he's established? Because I heard Drake gets, like, a min- from his label, a million for a music video, and that's a lot of money. And that helps his career because he's already established. Or do you think that like, when a rapper's upcoming, he should sign to help him get somewhere? or an established rapper who's already established, but take their career to a further level, if you get what I'm saying. So when's really like, if a rapper is going to sign, is it when he's up and coming or established? Yeah, I would say, um, if it was me and, I, and my artist asked me that, I would say you've got to do it when it feels right for you. Like, you've got to, I feel like you want to get yourself to a certain level as a rapper to be like, right, by myself, I've achieved this much growth on my Instagram, you know, just by my, my own self-promotion. I've put out my releases and I've hustled hard and managed to get a play on BBC Introducing and one extra. And what you're doing there is building a portfolio for yourself. You know, you're building accolades that you've achieved. So you can say, all right, well, I've now got 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I've had no backing from anyone. I've done it on my own. I've had plays on Introducing. I've had plays on local radio. I've had maybe a play on one extra. Um, and all of a sudden you've got this like this backing behind you that you've had that you've done yourself and that's then where you'd want to maybe look to a label or it might be actually if I've done this much on my own how much further could I take this you know having that entrepreneurial mindset you know if it's whatever motivates you to get there um, whether that's money or just producing art or doing it for passion you know I think it's it's then up to you as a as a business person to make that decision. I think there's no right or wrong answer, but I definitely would say take it as far as you can on your own until you feel like you need extra support. 
Um, where maybe when you're finding that you're putting too much time into the business side of it than the creative side of it, you know, managing the the creative process with the business growth process. Because effectively, if you're releasing music yourself, doing it all yourself, you are a business. You set up a business. You know, if you're if you're paying money to release your music, if you're paying money for marketing, if you're getting royalties in from streaming, that's cash flow. You've built a business. And another question, yeah. So let's go back to the let's go back to the to the seventeen year old rapper, yeah. He's yeah, so he's completely independent, he's just by himself, he's got a passion for music. How would he how would he find a manager now? It's a good it's a good question. And I don't think there's there's one answer for it, to be honest. I think, you know, again, it goes back to doing some research, you know, looking up your favorite rappers, rapper, and seeing who's managing them you know, and looking up who's in those circles. Um, I also think, you know, the more that you're sort of um, utilising your friends, like the artist I manage, he's my best mate. You know what I mean? So, and we trusted each other with the relationship. He trusted me to help him. I trusted him to create crazy music. Um, And that's how it's worked. And at the time when I started, I was definitely not a manager I wasn't in the industry. I was still at uni. Like I was, do you know what I mean? I was still learning. I was still young. I had no idea what I was doing, but you hustle, you, you learn. And that's where I think like you probably, you know, is there a friend where they've always been able to save money? They've always been able to manage their money. Well, maybe ask them for some help in doing that sort of, you know, in the accountancy side of stuff, you know, managers are there to sort of help you promote your music, get it out there, help you stay creative and stay level headed um, and help get your music to as many people as possible. So as I said, it's like using that network of people and asking your friends to be like, yo, I've got this crazy project. Do you want to work with me on it? You know, there's, it's, not a, it's not about pride. It's about respecting your friends and the respect between your peers and your networks of, of close, close people. That would always be my, my, that would always be my answer because like, I've learned from experience and you even like, I think... I can't remember the exact story, but I think AJ and yeah. his manager, that's right, you know, that's AJ's right. manager was at a few shows and they just started chatting, you know, like, or, or Andy was trying to like scout, he was scouting out AJ and stuff. And he went down to a few shows and, and he showed the hustle. And I think again, you know, when live music opens back up, it's going to the shows where your favorite rappers playing or trying to get on the lineups and how do you get on the lineups? It's the same thing. You know, you're looking at who the booking agents are for your favorite artists and getting in touch. It's just some, some, you got to do some digging, some hustling. I think, I think, do you know what it is? It's because it's so easy to release music now that anyone can do it. So I think you've got to have that mindset of, if I'm going to do this, how can I do it? How would I run a business? That's the mindset you've got to have. Like, I'm, you're running a business, you know, you're, you're creating music, but how on your own can you take it to the next level? it's scaling and you scale by you know again hustling hard and, and looking for opportunities and finding the opportunities um which is often easier said than done and that's why again that's why aim exists you know that's why aim exists to find the opportunities for the next wave of 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 music and talent um so what do you what do you think about like the um the the idea of streams like nowadays you stream music. I'm, I can imagine back in the day you would actually have to buy music, buy CDs, you know, or wait till you see a rapper on TV or hear them on radio, or you just or get like an iPod or something. But what do you think about how now people are making like you could just access your any music on just your phone? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because I feel like it's good. I feel like it's good for the listener, like people like me. I can just go on YouTube now and literally listen to whatever the hell I want, whenever I want. I can pay £10 a month, Spotify, listen to any album, anything else. So it's it's amazing for me. But then don't you think for the rapper, it must be like hard for them now compared to back like back in the day because like a million streams, that's that's a lot of streams. But then the money that they might get from that, that might not even cover the amount of money that they spent uh, on, the, on the song. And, and you know what? You're... you're Money that you're getting in, the money that you're getting in from streaming is going to be super small when you're starting out. Like you're talking like hardly anything. Um, and I think it goes back to if you look at something as a tool or a weapon, 
You know, are you seeing streaming as a tool or are you seeing it as something that's bad for you? Um, it's getting into the mindset of, going, oh, right. if you know that you're going to make no money from streaming, use it as a way to promote your music. But if you want people to buy your music and help you, I think go it's on somewhere like Bandcamp, you know, or or other platforms like that where you're asking fans, all right, well, you can stream my music for free or go on Bandcamp and download the album for £10. Um, so, you know, and that, you don't have to do physical because physical, again, you know, making records is expensive. But there's, a, there's ways to do it. And it's then sort of saying, all right, well, where am I telling my fans to listen to my music? Am I telling them go to Spotify and stream it? Or am I saying go to Bandcamp and buy it? Um, so there, there are ways, you know, you don't want to ever say you can't listen to my music. Well, maybe you do. I think it, it depends on, on the artist. Um, so, so you as a, but you like personally as a member of AMIA, yeah, for the artists and musicians that you work with, yeah. what, what do you, what would you prefer? Like streams and stuff like that and how, how it works nowadays or how it used to work where, you know, you would actually have to buy like a physical copy of like a CD or something and put it in a cassette player or they used to play them. They used to for me personally, I love streaming. I think, I think it's like, it's the future, man. You look at something like Netflix, you look at BBC iPlayer, you look at any on-demand service, you know, like everything is around access over ownership right now. And there's these new models of accessing things rather than owning it, even in cars. You know, you go back however long, you would have never been able to rent a car. Now you can, now you can rent them, you can lease cars. Before you would have just had to buy them. So it's like allowing people that weren't always able to afford or, or pay for a full record. You know, now they're like 20 quid. Back in the day, they were like a pound for a 12-inch vinyl, two pounds. You know, so it's like it's just a different era that we're in. And it's all digital. So I think that it's definitely a good thing. I think streaming obviously isn't going anywhere. And I think the platforms are, are listening. And I think that they're evolving constantly. Um and making it very much about the artist. So um, I think it's, yeah, I would say streaming is definitely a good thing. Do you think if rappers from like generations about like 50 Cent, Dr. Dre, Michael Jackson, that inside generations, if they were making music today with streaming, do you think they would be a lot bigger than they are, than they were? Or do you think it's easier for rappers that are streaming to be like blow? That's a good question, man. I think it's, I think it's, uh, no, I think they'd blow equally, to be honest. I think when you look at, uh, you know, look at someone who's streaming crazy right now, like AJ Tracy is in all the charts, you know, he's been, he was obviously about before streaming was a thing. But, you know, you look at the, the number of streams and the levels, I think it's just enabled more people to reach that level. Like you're talking about 50 Cent or Jay-Z or Kanye or whoever, you know, you're you're picking like, a few whereas now you're looking at the uk hip-hop scene the uk grime drill scenes and you're seeing people that are popping off just because they're able to stream so i think it's enabled more people to like do the music that they want to release create their thing and just create more, more opportunities for them to to yeah, grow but then, but then back then i feel like back then a successful musician were like they were they were big big because like you actually yeah like worldwide like crazy like i like I remember, I used to like watch like MTV Cribs and that, and it was it was mad. Like, but now I feel like because because it's more common and more easier. I feel like compared to how big it was before, it's kind of dropped. But I guess now there's just more space for more people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because because I can imagine there's probably there's probably so much like underground rappers from that era that I have no clue about that might have been just as good. But now it feels like even the underground rappers they kind of they're now kind of like getting the same kind of recognition as some of like the big rappers now. Feels like there's just bare bare space for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's just me, but I feel like like oh damn. What can I say? Maybe it's just me, but I feel like if I had to go to a CD to buy a, like a record, I'm only buying like the biggest rapper. I'm not gonna try next man, next man, next man. So as I think, my opinion, it'd be like. If they were around more, like those artists from that generation would be around here, it'd be easier for them. I'm if I'm gonna spend ten pounds on a record, I can only listen to these man. I'm only buying the best. I'm not gonna double with this guy, this guy, this guy. Now it's more accessible, but I was alive back then. 
I can't lie to me, I'm only buying the best. I'm not trying to waste money on a track I might not even enjoy. Mm. And that's the thing. And you would probably wouldn't have been able to hear it necessarily unless you heard it on the radio, you know? So you're sort of buying that record blind. Um, exactly. But I think as well, like, you know, the artists that you're, that you're sort of looking at, again, they would have all been signed to major labels. So they would have all had that huge backing. And also it was harder for an independent yeah. artist to release back then. So I think I think there's always two sides to the argument, isn't there? You know, it's like obviously it will be a very different world right now if uh, there was no streaming, if there weren't tools to help you release your music. Like before, like you know, if we're going back probably twenty, thirty years, you would have to be signed to a label realistically. Yeah. Okay, so um, CJ, we have like we have about ten minutes left. And I thought, like, for the last 10 minutes, like... I was, I was one question before you, like, you say what you say. So what do you think of, like, now people's songs doing the matching through, like, TikTok, Instagram, them, like... Like, the song of Latest Trends, I went, like... No one rated Latest Trends when it became viral on TikTok, when it became viral live, oh, when it went to the charts. So how, how do you feel, like, like, like... I'm not the correct verb, but a song going viral on social media, like, TikTok, helps the artist, like... Does that... Do you think that's unfair? Like they didn't do about a manager. It's like other people. It's basically other people managing it for them. Like they've shared their music about them even asking. So do you think viral sensations are like positive, negative, taken away, real talent, real hard work? What, what's your opinion on it? So you, uh, the alignment a little bit fuzzy there. But are you talking about viral success of hits on on platforms like TikTok? Yeah. So. It, if I make a song and I put it on TikTok, everyone's going to share it, send it around. They're doing the job that my manager would do for me on social media. So do you think that's taken away from what AIM is doing or what uh, uh, management is meant to do? Or do you feel like it's just a viral song that's going to have its bit? When Again, I think it goes back to what I was saying about uh, utilising these tools. Like I work, you know, TikTok are a friend of AIM. You know, we work quite closely together in the past on how to use TikTok. We've seen in AIM and our membership, like a crazy seven minute jazz, jazz track go viral because of TikTok. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, and for us, for me to see that, that's amazing. I think that's crazy. Like you're, it's allowing people to choose the music that they want to start their videos to. Yeah. And, and it's, it's organic, isn't it? It's just the, the way it grows is just from the people. There's no like, there's no, I don't know, like a rich businessman just somehow making this on every radio station. It's literally just people just going out of their way to use the music. So that's, that's the aim, really. The aim, the aim is for your art to naturally just people gravitate to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like in a, in a perfect world, in, a, in an ideal world, you want, you want to drop something that's good and people just like it. People, that it just moves them, it just touches them, it makes them happy. But obviously, with music, there's the business side of things, blah, blah, which makes that it a bit hard. That would be an ideal world, you know? Yeah, and, and, and that's what TikTok has given us. Do you not think I that? feel like... That's, that's what TikTok has given us, though, because people are, just, people are just hearing songs that they like, and now they're deciding to use it in their videos. And it's growing. Do you get what yeah. I'm trying to say, really? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it has. And I think, again, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. And I was chatting with someone the other day, um, you know, I'm I'm 24. I've I've never downloaded TikTok. I I wouldn't know how to use it. <laughs> but like, if I'm if you're looking at a friend of mine whose kid is nine nine years old, they find all their music from YouTube influencers and TikTok. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's it's effectively now it's really a discovery tool. It's a way for them to discover their favorite tracks, their their new music. I don't know about you guys. Are you guys on TikTok? Are you guys using TikTok? Yeah. I use it because, like, I was feeling left out. I'm in, yeah. Uh, it's not my my favourite Instagram, but I was feeling left out. Everyone's doing the TikTok. Well, let me jump on it. I don't naturally go on it how I go on Insta, but, like, I have to force myself to go on it, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. That's how it happens. Though, isn't it? That's, I remember the same thing happened with me and Insta. You know, when Insta went live, I was like, nah, I'm not going over to Instagram. And then everyone went over and I was like shit, I should probably go over and use Instagram. <laughs> and then that's what happens, man. It's the same same with every social media. <laughs> you, know. you know, and you think, mad, world without Instagram now. 
but you know instagram back in the day was terrible <laughs> like it was awful man and i think like tiktok has come in they've got this app and it's it's taken over you know and not only for like video content and influencers and that stuff but for artists and the opportunity for them to take their music globally just by accident a lot of the time as well yeah but um you said something like you're, i was surprised that you're only, you're only 24 like you're not you're not that far from us i thought you was much older but um so when so when like growing up who did you listen to everything man like do you know what the first ever album i bought was rhythm and gangster by snoop dogg I don't know if you guys have heard that. It's the track with Signs and Drop It Like It's Hot. Um, beautiful with Pharrell and Charlie Root. Like some crazy tracks on there, man. And that's that sort of world. Again, like when you're looking at the Snoop era of hip hop, you're taking samples from like old soul tracks. And I think that's what I my dad loved was soul music and like funk. So I listened to a lot of soul and funk growing up. Um, and I think that's definitely where I found my love of hip hop um, because you heard these old dusty samples being used. If you're looking at producers like Jay Diller or, you know, whoever it is, you're looking at like MF Doom even, you know, like growing up, I was surrounded by mainly soul and funk. And that's definitely where I feel my love for hip hop came from. hundred percent is that like, you know, old school, even James Brown, you know, you're looking at like, proper you know the trailblazers who called hats and quincy jones like you look at his um the things that he's produced on and you guys will be surprised like go go away and google quincy jones and what he's produced on it will blow your mind everything from thriller to probably signing with kanye <laughs> so 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 if you if if you were to give me your, your your top five right now top five favorite top um, five right now they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have to be the best. They don't have to be the best, but just like you personally, like when throughout your day-to-day -day life, throughout all your experiences, who, who's like really touched you? I'm just For curious. me, like, I'm going to have to plug my boy Looms 100% every time. Um, I think there's a whole scene, yeah, so he's oh, like oh, sort oh, of oh, in the oh, left field side of hip-hop. He's got a project uh, with another rapper called Obi-Wan um, called Languid Oceans. And that, again, he's like, a, he's from the Bahamas. He's Bahamian and, and raps like, crazy like flows you haven't heard but they you know again if you're looking at at the us someone like west side gun maybe who's absolutely killing it um in the uk man there's there's so many so much so much crazy talent out there man i think the top a top five is really hard but then for me as well like if i'm looking at a band like uh karangbin they're sort of more uh psychedelic rock and again they draw in a lot of soul I think there's also some crazy stuff coming out of the jazz scene in the UK. Um, there's there's too much, man. But I would say, yeah, definitely hip hop side in the UK would be Looms and Obi Wan. I would say uh, jazz would be someone like a band called Pigeon. Um, I can send you guys some links to all of this stuff as well. I'll, I'll definitely send you over some. I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you what. I'll send you my top five after. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think about it. Okay, yeah, because because I haven't heard any of these three that you've mentioned, anyways. But um, yeah. And last question: How how did you actually end up um, like at AIM? Like, was it university work? Like, what brought you there? How did I end up at AIM? And why? Yeah, what brought you there? And why? So uh, when I was at school, um, I was in a band. I was in a band and that is where I really found the passion for my love for music. You know, like I was in a band, I was, we were releasing stuff. We we're playing shows, played a show like the O2 Islington and like, you know, started doing all right. But I was never that much of a guitarist, to be honest. I just sort of liked the idea of being in a band. Then started doing A-levels and stuff, but decided for some reason to do maths and physics. And I was like... This is I'm not bought, I'm not made for this. This is not for me. All I knew is that I wanted to do something music related, um, and lost all hope. So I got like really bad results. I got DED in my A levels. Like they weren't, you know, I mean nothing to write home about. But I knew I wanted to do music in some form, and I found this music business course um, that offered me an opportunity to learn about music and the business behind it. Um, 
And the way I got started at AIM is from one of my tutors who was doing some work with AIM at the time and basically said, they're running an event. Does anyone want to volunteer? And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Get me in that room of all these music industry people and I want to get started. I want to meet everyone. I want to, you know, I want to learn. I want to just, I was just keen, man. Just like having the, I just, yes, I had the initiative to say, yes, get me in the room. Um, but like when I was saying earlier, like to hustle, I hustled my way into the room. And from there, started chatting to people, started volunteering for AIM more and more. And then they offered me an internship. And that was, I started volunteering for AIM about six years ago. And I've been working for them for about four. So, yeah, that was that was my route in from a failed guitarist and a, a hate for maths. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's better than maths and physics and all those wonderful things. Um, but that's actually the end of One Mic Rule Talk with CJ. Like, that was, uh, that was just probably one of my favourite episodes. I really enjoyed that. Like, you taught me a lot of things. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's great. I want to I wanna pull up to AIM one day as well to meet people because I feel like I, feel like I can learn something as well from the people. Hit there. me up, man. Get, um, get Jake my email to you guys. And if you have any other questions or anything, just hit me up. Yeah, no worries. So that was DJ Fred, the Sorrow First, and Callum from AIM, One Mic Road Talk, and we're out. Thank you very much, Callum. Man, it's my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. Man, hit me up. If anyone, if anyone wants to have a chat, if anyone wants to email me, like, feel free to pass over my email and I'll see what I can do. Thank you guys for tuning in to One Man Real Talk. That was myself, DJ Fred, and Sarah First. You can catch us on Instagram at One Man Real Talk. And we're out. Bye. Thank you.